0: Welcome, you're listening to audio from Haddington Elam Church. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged by this week's message. I pray that you're having a great week. Get this joy, honor, and privilege to bring you another word. We have concluded looking at the end of days and being ready and being prepared for the return of the Lord. This month we're going to begin a new series that I'm calling it the beautiful exchange. I had heard this expression from an album that Hillsong United had put out a number of years ago, but it perfectly summarizes what Jesus has done for us. Let's pray. Dear God, we just come before you, and as we open up your word, and as we look at the ideas of this beautiful exchange, I just pray that you will speak to us, by your Holy Spirit, that you will challenge our hearts, oh God, that we can see you at work, God, even through times that seem tough, times that are hard, but we could see you at work, and God, that instead of maybe seeing the the circumstances, we see the Savior, and see your hand at work, and that you just are moving through those things. God, I pray that for those listening today, that they will be encouraged by your word, In Jesus' name, amen. So all of us at one time or another, at least one time in our lives, have probably exchanged something. Maybe we've purchased clothing or shoes that were the wrong size and brought them back and you exchange them for a different size. Many of us today have probably exchanged currency. Depending on the rates you actually can gain or lose in your exchange. But I think that almost anyone would hate to lose on your exchange. You give someone, say, $100, and you get 89 pounds. You lose on your exchange. Sometimes you can gain on it. But God does this very thing with us. He gave us a perfect sinless sacrifice in place of our damaged, sinful lives. He paid full price for our broken lives. See, all of us have sinned. Our sin separates us from God, who is holy. There was no price, nor good deeds that we could do to pay that price. That is why Jesus came. He came to pay that price, the wages of our sin, the debt of our sin, as Paul puts it, that brings death and eternal separation from God. So by definition, we're looking today at the beautiful exchange. To exchange something is to give up something for something else, to part with for some equivalent or change for another to replace or return merchandise with an equivalent or something else, to make an exchange, engage in bartering, replacing or substituting one thing for another, to give and receive reciprocally, to exchange blows, to exchange gifts, to part in return for some equivalent or transfer for recompense or to make amends to someone for loss or harm suffered, To compensate, to barter exchange goods, say with a foreign country, to act, process, or an instance of exchanging. For example, some nations arranged for an exchange of prisoners. Most of us would have money in exchange for services. We have our boiler broken, we give the man money in exchange for his service to come and fix our boiler. Usually the idea of exchange is for an equivalent. It's like you're not at a, taking it at a loss. It's a, it's a relative comparable exchange, but with God, he takes the loss in the exchange. Throughout the Holy Scriptures, there are remarkable times where God has exchanged one thing for another. And we're going to be looking at this over the next month but this week, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 61. If you do have your Bible, your tablet, your phone, or you're taking notes, we're going to be looking at Isaiah 61. God shows tremendous mercy to those not deserving of mercy, and he pours out his grace, his unmerited favor. He gives us what we don't deserve, which is mercy and eternal life, in place of what we do deserve, which we actually deserve death or eternal damnation. At the cross, Jesus took our place, giving us the most beautiful exchange. He bore our sin and shame on the cross. He took upon himself our iniquity. The exchange for us brings us into a right and restored relationship with God. It repaired the damage or that separation that sin had done. Hebrews 4:15 and 16 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to understand and sympathize and have a shared feeling with our weaknesses and infirmities and liability to the assaults of temptation, but one who has been tempted in every respect as we are, yet without sinning. Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help us in good time for every need, appropriate help and well-timed help coming just when we need it. We can boldly Come to the throne of grace. And if you do have your Bibles, you want to follow along in Isaiah 61 and just give a real quick, brief background. Isaiah had been warning of the Assyrian conquest as God's judgment would come unless the nation turned back to God. He stood as God's bold messenger at a time when hearts We're not close to God at all. And here, as the uh, book of Isaiah is coming to a close, he's telling a future glory that God will bring to his people. And the Jews have a year of jubilee that comes every 50 years. And at the end of 50 years, they would have a jubilee. And in that, all debts were canceled. Land was returned to the original owners. Slaves were freed. And everyone is given a fresh start. This was God's way of balancing the economy and to keep the rich from exploiting the poor. If we trust in Christ as Savior, our spiritual debt has been paid and we can celebrate like they did in the year of Jubilee. So Isaiah 61, beginning in verse 1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed and qualified me to preach the gospel of good tidings to the meek, to the poor, and afflicted. He has sent me to bind up and heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the physical and spiritual captives, and the opening of the prison and of the eyes to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of his favor. And the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Jesus quotes this passage when he was in the synagogue in Nazareth. He applied this to himself, but he left out the end because the day of the Lord or the vengeance of God has not yet come. And continuing on, and here's where we're going to look at the exchange, the beautiful exchange this week. Verse 3, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion to give them an ornament or a garland or diadem of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning the garment of praise instead of a heavy burdened and failing spirit or a discouragement or heavy heart. That they may be called oaks of righteousness, lofty, strong, and magnificent, distinguished for uprightness, justice, and right standing with God, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And in this, we begin to see the beautiful exchanges taking place. And it starts with this, beauty for ashes Ashes are an important symbol of grief and repentance, a substance, if you've ever been around a campfire or and you've put it out and there's just ash that remains, it's a substance like dust to which our bodies return, maybe as a reminder of our frailty. Ashes represented repentance, brokenness. Many times when bad news came, People would dress in sackcloth and put ashes over themselves or on their head. They would just kind of dump ashes on themselves. And to anyone passing by, it was like a sign or a symbol that that man is in distress. In the Bible, sackcloth and ashes were worn as a repentance for sin. They were an external demonstration externally of an internal condition. The action itself required sincere humility in that the repentant one possessed that posture. What a scene. Imagine someone there and they're in sackcloth and ashes in deep repentance or in deep mourning. And he says that he gives you beauty for ashes. The deeper that truth shines through us, through every bit of our grief and pain and sin, That truth is that Christ came to set us free. He came to bring hope. He came to give us beauty for ashes. Next, it says he gives us the oil of joy. Oil was a way of refreshing oneself in those days. People walked from place to place and the dust would accumulate maybe on their face and in their hair and things. And if you would visit someone, they would apply like oil and it would give you like a a refreshing. But it also represents the Holy Spirit. He says joy replaces our mourning. Some cultures today have a set time for mourning, say 30 days or a set period of time for mourning. We will be in mourning for, for X amount of days. Here he says that he gives us the oil of joy. I want to share with you uh, some thoughts from Charles Spurgeon. And he's talking about this idea of this gladness, the oil of joy or the joy replacing our mourning. He says this, The gladness of our Lord Jesus may be viewed first as the gladness which he had in his work. The Son of God delighted in the work which his Father had given him to do. We see then that in his work, our great high priest was anointed with the oil of gladness above his fellows. But we also note that those who are his fellows do in their degree partake in this oil of gladness and are enabled to feel joy in the work which is appointed them of the Lord. We further note that our Lord had this oil of gladness from his work. He had it in it. He also has it from it. Even while he was engaged in it, he derived some joy from it, though it was but as the gleanings of the vintage compared with the after results. He did reap in joy as well as sow in tears. For many became his disciples, and over each one of these he rejoiced. It was impossible that the good shepherd should have saved so many sheep as he did without rejoicing when he threw them on his shoulders to bear them to the fold. Assuredly, he rejoiced that he had found the sheep, which he had lost. We too are consecrated to the Lord for the oil poured upon the priest was the oil of consecration. From that time forward, he was a dedicated man. He could not serve anyone but God. He above all the rest of the congregation was the man of God for ever as long as he lived. So beloved, we have been consecrated. The spirit of God has sanctified us and set us apart unto the Lord. As it is written, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. And the last one here in this is that he gives us the garment of praise or the ability to worship him in the middle of our calamity. We just talked a minute ago about the sackcloth that people in mourning or distress would wear. Here, the words are God is exchanging them with garments of praise. He lifts our burdens, our heavy hearts, and our discouragement. We are then adorned and made righteous. The garment of praise is a picture of being clothed in thankfulness and praise to God. A garment of praise is visible to all who see you. And it covers everything you do. Imagine the joy that lives inside the person who glorifies his savior in such a way that it clothes them like a garment, that it's visible to all. So in the same way, he's saying that in the same way that sackcloth, if you saw somebody wearing that, would would let you recognize that this person is in distress or mourning. He says that God clothes us with the garment of praise, that in the middle of our calamity, that we can still praise him. King David wrote many of the Psalms as praises to God in the middle of horrible things. Times it says, if you read in the little footnotes, he was hiding in a cave, but he penned that Psalm and praise to God or that this person was after him to take his life and he penned that Psalm. In the middle of the calamity, God can give us that joy, that praise that we can give back to God. The Bible also describes God giving us robes of righteousness and garments of salvation in exchange for our filthy clothes. Friends, praise is a powerful thing. Thankfulness changes hearts and renews minds. And again, David repeatedly chose praise in the midst of the most dire circumstances. Paul continued praising God and remembering God's faithfulness to him in all things. Even when in prison, Paul and Silas chose to praise and sing to God, they chose to praise God. Hebrews puts it like this, and Paul knows something about what he's saying. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. So not just praise, but a sacrifice of praise where it's hard and it hurts and it costs something. But to give him a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. He gives us a garment of praise. And the wording there was he places a diadem or like a crown upon our heads. The ashes would be applied upon the head. In fact, sometimes it would say that when people were in mourning or distress, some of them would shave their heads and then they would put ashes on on themselves. And here he's talking about placing a crown upon our heads. What a beautiful picture of the redemption of God. And continuing on, and I'll be closing soon. Verse four, and they shall rebuild the ancient ruins and they shall rise up the former desolations and renew the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. And one of the things that the Jews would do at the year of Jubilee, they would rebuild and repair and restore their land. And a few more exchanges in this passage, verse seven, instead of your former shame, You shall have a twofold recompense or to make amends for loss or harm suffered or to compensate. So you shall be compensated or have it made amends twofold, twice back to you. So instead of shame, you shall have double amends. Instead of dishonor and reproach, you shall... Rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double what they had forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong and violence. And I will faithfully give them their recompense in truth. And I will make an everlasting covenant or league with them. And their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants among the people's. And all who see them in their prosperity will recognize and acknowledge that they are the people whom the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul will exalt in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself out with garland and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, Bride and grooms on their wedding day are looking smart, looking dapper. And he says that that's how he will cover us with robes of righteousness, garments of salvation. For as surely as the earth brings forth its shoots, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring forth, so surely the Lord God will cause rightness and justice and praise to spring forth before all the nations through the self-fulfilling power of his word. We see God's beautiful exchange taking place every day in our lives. Paul put it like this. I do have another little passage of scripture I want to read, but it's so good. I was going to just put a verse or two, but I thought I want to share this, this passage. But Paul puts it like this. 2 Corinthians 4 Verses seven through 16. However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in frail human vessels of earth that the grandeur and exceeding greatness of the power may be shown to be from God and not from ourselves. We are hedged in and pressed on every side, troubled and oppressed in every way, but not cramped or crushed. We suffer embarrassments and are perplexed and unable to find a way out but not driven to despair. We are pursued, persecuted, and hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed, always carrying about in the body the liability and exposure to the same putting to death that the Lord Jesus suffered, so that the resurrection life of Jesus may also be shown forth by and in our bodies. For we who live are constantly experiencing being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, that the resurrection life of Jesus may also be evidenced through our flesh, which is liable to death. Thus, death is actively at work in us, but it is in order that our life may be actively at work in you. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed, therefore I have spoken. We too believe, and therefore we speak, assured that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus and bring us along with you into his presence. For all these things are taking place for your sake, so that the more grace, the divine favor and spiritual blessing extends to more and more people and multiplies through to many, the more thanksgiving may increase and rebound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, or wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner self is being progressively renewed day after day. This beautiful exchange that God gives in Christ's sacrifice, death sees itself inverted just like our shame. And the ashes that we had becomes a symbol reminding us about the everlasting life that we are given instead. The beautiful exchange. He gives us eternal life. This is something that we really, really can celebrate, that we really, when we grasp what he paid for us, let me pray. God, I thank you that your word is everlasting. Your word you said would not come back to you void, but would achieve the purpose for which it's sent. God, I thank you for your word. It is trustworthy and true. You are our high priest praying on our behalf, you praying for us. Oh God, God, I pray that if anyone hearing this today has not come to faith in you, has not accepted you, God, that they would begin to see that they can exchange their, their mess, their broken life with your perfect sinless life, God. Friends, it says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by the mouth that you confess. In your heart, believing, pray a simple prayer, of, God, I, I give you my life give you my broken life. I've tried to do things my own way for a long time and I can't, I just can't do it. But God, I, I receive your life, Jesus, your perfect life, your perfect sinless life in place of mine. I give you my life. God, I ask that you would give me, in exchange, a clean heart. God, those that are listening who do know you, God, I pray that they are encouraged and strengthened by your words. We can be beaten and and crushed and, and cast down, but we're not destroyed. We're not destroyed and we could stand tall in you. And God, that you rule and reign forevermore, that we could take courage, that there is future glory to come. God, we thank you for your word. And I pray that you will just continue to work in our lives as we yield to you. God, maybe as we reread over these scriptures and look at it again by your Holy Spirit that you'll speak to us, strengthen us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening. Please tune in next week for another inspirational message. If you're in the East Lothian area, visit us online at haddingtonelamchurch.com for information about how you can join us for our weekly Sunday services.